Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead where we are getting ready for Valentine's Day. Well, we're not really getting ready for Valentine's Day. <laughs> not like getting out the Valentine's Day decorations. No, we're not really. The yeah. world is getting ready for Valentine's We're no, coming up on Valentine's Day. <laughs> no Valentine's Day decorations. Okay, so we're coming I up on Valentine's boys. Day. I have four boys. I might I might get more into it when my boys are, when I have five girls. I don't Start know. bringing girls around. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, anyway. So yeah, we're, we're coming up on Valentine's Day. I think it's really neat because, so the Catholic Church celebrates feast days all throughout the year, Catholic feast days of Catholic saints. So when, when a Catholic saint is born into heaven, the day that they die, we celebrate their feast day. Right. Well, the, the analogy for the church that best fits is that it's a family. So this is members of our family that went before us who did some incredible things, so we celebrate them. Yeah, and for some reason, there are two Catholic saints that the whole country loves to celebrate. They might ignore every other saint, but everybody yeah. loves St. Christian, Valentine. non-Christian, <laughs> Protestant, Catholic, everybody does it. Yeah. It's Valentine's Day. And St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Those Day. are the two saints that get celebrated. Right. But there so are, buy chocolates and drink a green beer. Yeah, but there are lots of other saints that are wonderful and awesome, too, that we can celebrate, but... But we're going to focus on Valentine's Day. Right. So St. Valentine lived during like 250 AD during the Roman Roman Empire. And the emperor um, had made it illegal to get married for young people. And so St. Valentine was a priest and he was marrying people anyway and got himself into trouble and was sentenced to death. And... Getting close to when he died, he healed one of the Roman Roman's daughters from blindness, is the legend, and then wrote her a note and signed it from your Valentine. So St. Valentine was executed. He's a martyr, and so we celebrate him, and now we all write from your Valentine. Yes. So today, in honor of St. Valentine, we are going to talk about marriage. Yep, marriage. Yes. So we are not marriage experts. We are not marriage counselors. We are not perfect. We don't have the perfect marriage. I think sometimes when we hear someone speaking about something, you automatically think they're like the expert or they're perfect. And that's not us. We're normal people just yeah, like Yeah, we're normal you. people. We've had arguments, lots of arguments at different times, and we've worked through things. And after years, we've realized there were things we can be doing better to love each other, and we've constantly been growing we're very normal. We're not experts. There's a disclaimer. Yeah. And, we're just us. And every marriage is so different, just like every person is so different. So we're just going to share our marriage. And if there's something that inspires you or resonates with you, we hope that you can. it can help your marriage. And if not, then just hear it for what it is. Our, it's our marriage. Right. We've been married for 10 years. And in 10 years, we've really been trying hard to have a good marriage. This is something that we work on all the time and we try to keep getting better at even from the time that we were dating. And so we have learned a lot of lessons that are really important to us, and we've incorporated them into who we are as a couple. So we're going to share some of those today. Yeah. And one of the reasons I think it's really important, even in the context of homesteading, is that homesteading is an activity that flows out of our family. And so in order for us to be good at homesteading, or really anything we do, 
our family life needs to be in a good place. Yeah. So I think we have an array of different listeners. I'm starting to realize we have some people that are listening to us because they're interested in homesteading. Some people that are interested in us because they like the whole Catholic family conversation. And whatever reason you're listening to us, if it's homesteading or family, what we're talking about today is a key foundation for really anything out of the ordinary, anything countercultural you want to do with your life. Unity in marriage is kind of a foundation of that. Right. Anything that we want to really accomplish, we're going to need to accomplish together. Anything significant, we're going to we're going to decide to do it as a couple and as a family and then we're all going to have to do our part. So I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, what some people might wonder, they want to get into something like homesteading or fill in the blank, whatever you want to get into and it'd be like, how can I start doing this? And I think that a lot of the, the the answer for a lot of people might be get your marriage in a good spot, like start communicating with your spouse. And if there's anything major there that needs to be worked on, that's probably what needs to come first. Yeah. And so there's a there's hundreds and hundreds of books about marriage and you can go in so many different directions. But we're going to share what flows naturally for us. We're going to share our gift and our gift in our marriage, our strength in our marriage is unity. So that's what we're going to talk about today because that's what we know. That's what we are good at is unity. Okay. So I'm going to quote a scripture. This is from John chapter 17, and this is an important scripture for us. It was the gospel reading that we read when we got married. Um, So at our wedding, we had this read and we talked about, we got to pick what was going to be read and this was the one that we chose. So this is Jesus talking to the disciples after the Last Supper. So he's getting ready to go die and he's kind of told them that. And um, so he's, this is one of the, you know, John chapter 16 and 17 is one of the specialist parts of the whole Bible, in my opinion, where Jesus, instead of talking in parables, he just talks very plainly and says to his disciples everything that he really wants them to hear. So he gets to this prayer that he's praying. So now he's praying in front of them and he says this. So he's praying to the father and he says, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through your word. So what he's saying there is he's He's praying not just for his disciples, but he's praying for all Christians that are going to come. And he says, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So he's asking that all Christians would be one. And he's saying that, I pray that they will be one so that the world may believe that you sent me. So he's saying that. If Christians are one, then the world will know that Jesus is the salvation of the world, that he came from the Father. And so we think, why, do, why does the world not know that Christianity is truth? I think the answer a lot of times might be that Christians are in such disunity. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we were talking about our marriage and what we wanted it to look like. And Kristen and I wanted unity. We wanted to every day for the rest of our lives, come closer and closer in unity together in, um, in every possible way. And we felt like that this is what Jesus was talking about, that the best way we could express the love of God to the world was that we would be one, that we would be in unity, that if Kristen and I really, really loved each other well, that was the biggest thing we could do on behalf of the world to show them the love of God. Right. Yes. 
So, so we're going to just give some, just, just share our marriage and give some just real practical stories of how we live out unity as a married couple. Let's do it. So I have this really vivid memory from when Pete and I were dating, and I actually just shared it with Pete a couple days ago. I did not remember it, yeah, but I like it. But it sticks in my mind really. It's just a really clear memory. So Pete and I were out to dinner, and we ordered a dessert, and for some reason we only got one dessert to share. I don't even remember what the dessert was. Maybe some kind. I think it was some kind of cake or something. And I just had it in my head. I just cut the cake in half, and I gave. he had his half, and I had my half. And then I just, that seemed natural to me, but I just will never forget the look on your face, Pete. You just smiled at me and then you just dug right into my half. (laughs) And it was like in that moment you were kind of saying something and I didn't realize you were saying something really about the rest of our life. Like, Hey, that's not how it's going to be. It's not going to be your thing and my thing. We are going to share everything. It's that's really, I, I feel like looking back, that's kind of what you were saying. And it really stuck with me because that has really been the story of our marriage. We just have always shared and given everything. Yeah, I really like that. I feel like it's easy to start thinking about things in a more segmented way. Like I'm going to give a fair amount and Kristen's going to give a fair amount. And if we each do that, then we'll end up with a nice, healthy marriage. And that's never been the mindset of either of us. We're each going to give 100% and we're each going to share 100%. And that's how we're going to have a happy marriage. And I remember... Early on, because we were doing a lot of trying to understand what marriage was and what it would look like for us, uh, that you hear, I heard a lot of people talk about how you have to compromise in a relationship. So basically, sometimes one thing is going to be good for one person and not as good for the other person. And so you compromise, or one person wants to make a decision and the other person wants something different. And so you compromise. And then I remember. After being together for years, I would think about it and I couldn't remember a single time that we ever compromised. Yeah. Like I couldn't remember one. Like when did we ever make a decision where I didn't like the decision, but I made a compromise or something like that? Or myself. Like there's never, I really can't think of any time where we've ever compromised. It's always been talking it out, praying it out and working for unity. Right. And so the more I think about it, I feel like this is how it is, is that Kristen and I both have things that we want to do and accomplish and take part in, et cetera, et cetera. But we're both following God's will for our life. We're not just going for our own thing. And so when you feel like you're, you're following a perfect shepherd, then he always have the, has the perfect answer, even in small things. So we don't have to compromise Instead, our desire is that where every decision we make and everything we do, we're making the best decision for our family. We're a single unit now. We're not two different units doing two different things. We're a single unit. And so when we make a decision, our decision is always what is going to be best for our family. And then once we make that decision, we're both in it and we're both going to be a part of that 100%. Yeah. And I think I think the thing that helps with that is our desire. Our, we love it. We, we are so in love with each other. And... 
our desire is always what is best for the other person, both of us. And so, you know, we never want to see that person having to, I don't want to see you compromise and you don't want to see me compromise. It's, I want to lay down my life for you. Like I want, and so we're not, when we say we don't compromise, we're not saying we don't sacrifice. We don't do the hard thing. Like (laughs) we don't take turns getting up with children in the middle of the night, but it's, Hey, I want what's best for you. You want what's best for me. How can we get there? How can we achieve that? Absolutely. So yes, we sacrifice, we give up our own way for each other, but we don't compromise. And we're going to try to put that to word. It's kind of a, it's kind of hard to put it to words, but we're going to try to through examples. Right. Well, I mean, it, I think it, it makes a lot of sense, even in a simple form, is that if you look at somebody like Michael Phelps, who wanted to be an Olympic great, he made a ton of sacrifice to get there, but he wasn't compromising. He found his goal and then he was going for it. So he wasn't compromising getting to go out with friends like the normal kids. He was sacrificing. And right. there's a huge difference there. Right, right. Let's talk about what are some ways that we sacrifice in our marriage, but we don't compromise. Right. There's a million examples. So say Kristen says, I really feel like I, I would like to see a couple of my friends. So I want to go out and have breakfast with them on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. So what that means... I had breakfast with friends yesterday. I got home at two from breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a long breakfast. <laughs> But what that means, I know, is that I'm then going to be taking care of the kids for most of Saturday. And so I know that that then means a sacrifice for me. So what we'll do is say, is this a good thing? Is this going to be a life-giving thing for our marriage? Be like, yeah, I think it would be a really good idea for Kristen to get together with her friends. Okay, I'm, I'm willing to, to make that happen with her. And so we both do our part. Her part is that she goes out with her friends. My part is that I take care of the kids. Right. At the end of the day, though, what we're trying to produce out of that is what's good for our family. Yeah, and then there might be some times where friends invite me out and maybe I want to go, but then I look at our family situation and I think, okay, actually today Pete really wanted to, I don't know, do something in the, in the orchard. And this wouldn't be the best time for me to go out. And I want, I want to see him be able to do the things that he wants to do. So I'm going to say no this time. So, but I'm not compromising because I, in the end, I want what's best for Pete I want what's best for our marriage. And so I'm willing to lay down that other thing so that he can have what he needs to do. And here's why that's so important. So when we decided to get the cows, so now we're talking about doing a big thing in our life that's going to require a lot of daily time. We decided to do it and we decided to do it together. And we said, we don't know everything about cows. We don't really know anything about cows, but we're going to do this and we're in it together. So what happens now is I need to go down to the barn in the evening to take care of the cows and make sure they're okay. It doesn't take long. It can take me 15 minutes if I want to go really fast. A lot of times I'm with the kids and it'll take a lot longer, but it takes time. So every evening that I'm going to be doing that, Kristen needs to stay behind and take care of the babies. The babies aren't going to come down there with me in the middle of winter. They're two and three, but I think for forever they're going to be called the babies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We we call them the babies. I don't know. They're still in diapers. To me, that's like baby. If you're, if you're, you can't go to the bathroom by yourself. It's kind of sad. It's the big boys and the babies, but the big boys were practically babies when the babies were born, but they're the big boys. Okay. So Kristen takes care of the babies, quote unquote, and there's nights where that's hard. They're screaming and there's dishes and everything. And it's going to be hard just to have me walk out and go out into the beautiful night to take care of the cows. And I love doing it, but it's, it's, uh, it's something we chose to do together. And so this is how we make it happen. This is the best way to accomplish it. And we're in it together. And so Kristen's willing to do that. 
Now, if on the other hand, we were talking and I said, Kristen, I think we should get cows. And she didn't really want to, but we decided to do it anyway because she was going to compromise and give me what was, you know, what I was asking for. Well, then every night I would be going down to take care of my cows and she would be left behind taking care of the babies. And if she wasn't in that, if she didn't feel like we were a partnership pursuing this together, then that would be a huge opportunity for a lot of bitterness and unhappiness to take place. Yeah. And instead, I know when I'm inside alone with the two little ones after a long day and you had to, to go out, I'm like, hey, this is my contribution to the cows and I wanted the cows and this is how... This is how I contribute. And right. So even yesterday when Kristen went out for breakfast with her friends, that was something we decided together. Mm-hmm. So when she got back and I did get kind of like fried by the end of the day, I was a little <laughs> bit on edge from the kids, but I know that this was a decision that we had made together. I'm, I'm okay with it and I'm in it and I'm willing to have that sacrifice and even get to be a little bit fried so that we could make this happen. Yeah. And then my first thought when I come in is I feel so much better having long breakfast with my friends. What do you need? What do you want to do? And of course, your life-giving activity is moving mulch in your in your yeah. forest garden. <laughs> well, I work in cubicles, so when I get to move wheelbarrows of mulch, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm kind of blessed that my husband, his thing that he wants to do to relax and to unwind is go work. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I'm it's, lucky. It's, it's not that much different than going to, you know, people want to work out and run or go to a gym, gym. or something. Like, this is my gym. I get to move wheelbarrows. Yeah. And, and when we say we're in unity, it's not, it doesn't mean we're doing everything together, but it means at the heart we're in it together. Right. So even in the small stuff, even in the small stuff, it's not like we have to discern what we're going to get for dessert when we're out on a date, but, but at the end, you know, we do make a decision and then it's, it's not your cake and my cake. It's our cake. Yeah. That's why I love that story. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And you can just accomplish great things when that is your heart towards each other. I think when it's like, Hey, we're, we're going to discern it and we're going to both go for it. And we never owe each other. That's the other beautiful thing about our marriage. So if I go out with girls, it's not like all of a sudden you're like, well, you had that. Now I get this. If you go out with your guy friends, I feel like I'm almost a part of that because you're building community. You're doing something that's good for you. And then I get to reap the benefits of that. When you're happy, I'm happy. Like, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. And I think when you're younger, you think about marriage mostly in terms of of love. And we still do. We think in terms of love a lot. Do you love this person? Are you in love? But you realize after you have kids that, especially after you have kids, that marriage is incredibly about a partnership. Mm -hmm. Because when when you have kids, then there's this thing you're trying to accomplish together, which is really, really hard. But it's not just kids. It's anything. What what are we going to accomplish in our marriage? There's this partnership there. And so just like any other partnership, if both partners are in it together 100%, you're going to be able to do and accomplish a whole lot more. Yeah. If we weren't in unity, we couldn't homestead. So if I was like, Pete, I had this great dream. I want to homestead. And Pete wasn't into it. I, it just, I couldn't do it alone. And the same with you. You couldn't do it without my support and my help. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. And, and there's a couple other things in our life that kind of built this. We've been married for 10 years before we really started homesteading or nine years before we started homesteading. And when I think back, I want to tell kind of a funny story of, of how this, how we did this in other areas of life. When Pete and I were dating, I remember, or before, no, before we were dating, we were just in the same group of friends. I was at your house, and I remember overhearing this really funny conversation. You, it was, you were talking to your mom, and your mom said to you, 
oh, at her parish confirmation classes were starting again. And I just like remember your face. You had this look of horror fear. and fear. And you just were like, I don't. And Pete is the kind of person that is always there. You, you will always help when needed. But you looked at her with like with fear in your eyes. And yeah. you said, yeah. I am not. I don't want to teach confirmation classes again. <laughs> and I didn't know what your confirmation experience was, but find out later. Yeah. So, okay. So first confirmation is a sacrament in the Catholic church. And a lot of times kids go through it in middle school and high school. And we won't explain that too fully, but basically it's a reaffirmation of, you know, of your Christianity, of your faith. And, and when the kids receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right, right. So I came out of college and I had had a conversion experience where I was really, really fired up about my faith and and just wanted everyone to know how much God loved them. Mm-hmm. And and I, I had a really hard time expressing that to anyone. I was super excited about well, it. No, you, so explain, you, you decided to teach confirmation classes. Yeah, so I, I decided to teach confirmation so I could talk to a bunch of juniors in high school about how much God loved them. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it didn't go so well. <laughs> I wish I could have seen it. I yeah. wish I could have been there. I mean, it's hard for the kids. They're in school all day, and then they're coming back to a classroom where you're going to talk to them about God. And I, there's different classes I learned years later, and it turns out I, that year I had I had all the cool kids in my class. And, <laughs> and they were not excited were about respecting hour me. Hour and a half. I wish I could have seen how this went. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they were on their cell phones the whole time and scoffing and oh making mean faces at me and stuff. And yes. It was terrible. So I was like, oh, that was awful. I'm never going to do that yes. again. So Pete vowed that he would never do confirmation classes again. But then... Fast forward about three years later, I graduate college, I have a theology degree, and I apply to the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and they find a parish that is in need of a associate youth minister, and they place me, at, I get a job at the same parish that Pete taught confirmation classes, and I was the confirmation coordinator. So I coordinated all of confirmation. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> At the parish where he like vowed he would never teach a confirmation class again. Yeah, so I did. We taught confirmation so, classes for the next four years. Yeah, but the cool thing was, was it was, okay, what does God want? I got the job at the same time we got married. And again, things in our marriage have never been, hey, that's your thing. That's my thing. This was my job. My job was in ministry. And Pete got behind me 100%. And we were in it together. So I w- he wasn't going to send me up there to teach confirmation classes alone. He was by my side. Like every night that I was up there that he could be, he was with me. And we did amazing things. We taught the class when we were together, when we were a team, the classes were amazing. And I wouldn't have been able to teach them alone. It wouldn't have gone well if it was just me. And it obviously didn't go well when it was just oh, yeah, you. No way. But when we were a team and we were in unity, when we did it together, I mean, great things happened at that parish. And that was, I mean, we would do retreats and they would be all weekend retreats for 50, 60 high school kids and do that a whole bunch of times throughout the year. And it's just emotionally exhausting and draining. And we'd come back after that and it would have been really hard if Kristen came home from a retreat and she was exhausted and mentally and emotionally. And I was just like, yeah, I've just been hanging out all weekend or whatever. And we came back and we were in the same spot together and it was just really powerful to be able to experience the highs and the lows of that together. Yeah. And I just looked back to that, that four years where we did youth ministry. It was, it was my job. And Pete, you could have said, that's your thing. But again, that, we have never done that in our marriage. It has never been your thing or my thing. You were with me 100%. I'm so thankful for that time. I'm so thankful for what we could go through together. But the point is, 
we prayed about that job. Is this a job that, you know, God wants me to have? We discern that. And so when one of us gets passionate about something, when one of us gets into something, we want to first make sure, is this God's will for our family? Is this what God wants? And if it's what God wants, then we can both give, get into it a hundred percent. Right. So we've talked more about the sacrifice angle of that so far, but the other thing that I think it's important worth mentioning is that I'm every year understanding more and more about what brings me alive. And Kristen's actually always been really good at that. It's been more of a struggle for me to think what is good for me, what's good for me, and then being able to express that to her so that she can support me in it. So we're sacrificing for each other, but we're also learning what's really good for each other and supporting that. So if it's really good for me to blow off a little bit of steam because I've been sitting in a chair all day and I want to go chop wood for 15 minutes, I'm just going to express that to Kristen and say, Kristen, I'd really like to do this. And then she's behind it. She's like, sure, well, yeah, go do, go do it. Because yep. this is going to be good for you and it's going to be good for us. Yeah. And you do the exact same for me. And I feel like, you know, there's just so much life that comes comes forth out of that. And the other way that we achieve unity is just in the, the little things. So Pete and I always go to sleep at the same time. We got married and it was just something that I felt like was very important to me that we would go to bed at the same time. And that was not, it didn't make sense right away for our life. I had to be at work at 5.30 for my job. You were used to being, coming out of college and staying up all night with your friends. So we were in two very different places in life and I just wanted us to be doing it together. Yeah. And I think that if we didn't do that, it could have so we, we're on a path of, of unity. It's our gift. It's our strength. And again, this isn't for, for everyone, but I was coming from a life, I'm a, I was a youth minister, so I, was, I could be at work at 10. Pete had to be at work at, you had to leave for work at what, 5 or 4.45 yeah, or something? Yeah, really early. Yeah. So what could have happened was, okay, Pete, you go to, you go to sleep early and I'm going to stay up and watch TV shows or do my own thing. And that would have been a first step for us in just disunity on a very practical level. And we decided that, no, we're going to go to sleep at the same time. And it was hard for us because I was constantly staying up a little bit later than I wanted to. And Kristen was always going to bed earlier than she wanted to, but we just decided it was worth it. Yeah. And there's nothing intrinsically wrong about going to bed at different times. But again, yeah, this was something where we felt like this would be really easy for us to then start to have two different lives Your and it, thing it's and my most thing. important for us right now to have one life. And so right. we're, we're just going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now, oh my gosh, I love it. I just love that we do that. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I mean, it's my, it's one of my favorite times of the whole day. Yeah. And, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then another area where we really work for unity is we don't watch, if we're going to watch a TV show, we watch it together. So I think it's common in a lot of households today to have a lot of different TV shows and like, Hey, you watch your sports and I'll watch my chick flick or something. And we just decided we want to be doing the same thing. We want our minds to be on the same thing. And so we, we watch the same stuff. And yeah, this is one of those areas where we say TV never existed through most of humanity and now it's here and it feels like this massive thing in life that we have to decide what's life-giving, what's not life-giving, what's good for our kids, what's not good for our kids. And some things we watch and then we figure out later that this isn't really good for us to be watching. It's having a bad effect on us or we just don't feel uplifted by it or whatever. But we've basically decided that even when we make mistakes like that, we're just going to do it together. Right. Like we're gonna we're gonna be in this together. We're gonna spend the time together, and then if it's good, bad, or ugly, at least we've done it together, and then we're a team. Yeah, and when you're into a 
a show or your or a movie or a sports or a sport event or something, that's what your mind is kind of on. And it's neat that our minds are always on the same thing. I've had a couple of times where I was like sick or something and I might get into a show by myself. And I, I it's a very, it's not like an immoral in disunity, but there's a part of me that just feels like, oh, this is one, Pete doesn't know about this show or these characters. Like, and, and we really, unity is so important to us that we really want to be watching the same thing. And again, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with watching different shows. We've just identified this as another place where we can have unity together just by being together. So if you're asking yourself, how can I achieve unity in my marriage? We think that there are two important keys to achieving unity. So the first one is prayer and asking God, what do you want for our family? We have to remember that God knows God created us. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's going to make us come alive. And so it's coming to him and saying, God, what do you want for our family? And submitting submitting everything to him. What do you want? And of course, he's not going to have you in disunity. And then the second thing is wanting what's best for the other person. And that's a that's like kind of the key to love, but I want what's best for Pete, and I know 100% he wants what's best for me. And that brings us into really great unity. Right. When we decided to homestead, we weren't saying, let's just do this because we think it's a good idea. I mean, we do think it's a good idea, but we really believe that we're going after God's plan for our life. That when we say a prayer, God, give us what's best for our life that we can then we can then trust that he's going to lead us into the right places so it's not my plan or Kristen's plan we're going after a plan that's more perfect than that yeah and then he'll give us peace when we're in his plan or not so one one example that came to mind we're just trying to throw out lots of little examples of everyday life last year before we got the cows Pete had an idea to get sheep. You I were, really wanted to. Yeah, you were you were excited. They seemed to, accessible. It was yeah. like sheep are smaller. I yeah. could handle them. It's yeah. less intimidating. Yeah, we wanted to get an animal, and cows seemed you know this huge. Cows kind of weren't really on our radar yet. So in my brain, it had all the right reasons. Yeah. So Pete wanted to get sheep, so we got our family in the car to go look at these sheep that we might buy. So we all got in the car and... I'd researched the kind that I wanted to get and found a breeder nearby that was doing all the right things. Yeah. And we had an open mind about it and I was kind of excited about it too. And we got there and I did not have a piece. So I really have... Every day I we, we both submit our plans to God and I think that if it's not his will, then you don't have a piece. So I'm seeing these sheep and I just didn't feel peaceful about it. And Pete, you were pretty excited about it and we got in the car And I I was just like, you know, I just don't feel peace or excitement about these sheep. And again, Pete, you weren't having to compromise. It wasn't like you were disappointed. What was your kind of thought when I said that? I didn't really want them either, which didn't make sense. I did want them in my head, but I also didn't have peace about it. It was like, this just doesn't seem right. Yeah. And it seems like I'm, I'm trying to force it and... Whatever that might be, I didn't have peace about it. And so it was kind of a relief when we decided not to get them. And I was a little bit sad about it, too, because I wanted, I really liked the idea of being able to start growing our own meat. But it wasn't like we compromised. It wasn't like I said to you, I don't want them. And you said, I do. It was, we, we really kind of look at everything in the light of what, what is God, where is God leading us? Where is God giving us peace? Right. And we've talked about it before that one of the major steps of discernment is that you're following your desire and you're following what seems peaceful, that 
that this is a gift that God gives us to help us figure out how to get through life and to navigate it is that we really can start to listen to our hearts and that's where God is going to speak. And one neat thing too in our marriage is we always trust that the other person wants what is best. So you know that I want what's best for you and I'm not peaceful about these sheep, but I'm coming from it from a place of desiring what is best. And then we went to see the cows a few months later and cows are like way bigger, way more intimidating, but we both had this overwhelming peace. We left being like, Hey, let's, let's go for it. We have peace. And we love the cows. We love having the cows. And that one, that was one that made a lot less sense in my head because it was so intimidating coming out of the suburbs. What do you do with a cow? That's crazy. Yeah. How about two cows? Yeah. But yeah, we had a lot of peace about it. And so we went forward with it. Yeah. So, so again, the first thing for unity is wanting what God wants, letting him lead you in peace. And then again, Wanting what's best for the other person. And it's funny, we we would give some talks about marriage, especially back when Kristen was the associate youth minister. And one of the questions that we would always get, we say, does anybody have any questions? And the question we get is, what happens when you guys argue? What do you guys do when that happens? And Kristen and I have, like, we know some couples that don't really argue. We're not one of them. We've had plenty of arguments and plenty of times where, you know, we felt hurt about whatever and we had to work through it. And my answer to that is that as the years go on and you're constantly working to love another person, you just really start to develop a deep respect for them. And I have so much respect for Kristen and I've learned to trust her so much that even when things get hard and we have to argue or we don't agree on something, there's this incredible respect between us that we can really start to, and, and that, that changes the whole context of even the difficult situations. Yeah, and we don't really give up until we achieve unity. Right, absolutely. Yeah, so so if you want a homestead or you want to do something out of the ordinary with your life, work for unity. Work for unity in your marriage, and you'll be surprised at how much you can accomplish. And and I think, say, if, you, if there is something that you want and your spouse doesn't want it, I think it's important that you come together and say, God, is this what you want? So using homesteading as the example, if there's somebody who wants to homestead and their spouse is not into it, then here's where I think you begin. You start expressing, hey, this would be really good for me, I think, if we did this. This would be really good for our family. I I have this desire that we could do this. Why don't you like it? What are you afraid of? What are you worried about? Why do you think this would be bad for us? Let's pray for it. Let's, Let's pray about what's best for our family. And just starting to in conversation and in prayer, trying to come into a place where we know that God has the best plan for our family. And let's just start discerning it and thinking about it and talking about it so so that we can be in unity as a marriage before we try and actually do anything about it. Yeah, I really believe that God has a unique and individual plan for each family that will make that family come alive. I don't think that his will for us is just to be unhappy or surviving or running around. And it's really just seeking him out. What is your will for our family? So again, take all of this with a grain of salt. We are not marriage counselors. This is just things that have been really important to us in our marriage. And I hope that they can be useful to some of you. Yeah. And as we come up on Valentine's Day, we hope that you can find unity in your marriages or community or with the people that you love. Have a great day, everyone.